Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Good morning, Arizona. Welcome back to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Looks like the lines are full. We'll get right to the phones. we got Leslie's on the road again. Hello, Leslie. Hi there. How are you? Yes, I'm on my way. I'm good. I'm on my way to a little place about 40 miles northwest of uh, Las Vegas. I actually live in Tempe, so my question is regarding, I, you've been talking all morning and keeping me awake. Um, about soil. How's Tempe's soil? I'm not even sure. Well, Tempe's kind of a it's, a, it's a small city, but it's not the biggest city, okay? And it depends right. a lot on where you live because, you know, you got the river runs through the middle of it. And uh, okay. South I'm Tempe. Kind of right by South Mountain. I'm right by South Mountain. Well, when you get up by South, you're in Guadalupe? <laughs> no, I'm in Tempe. <laughs> All right, I'm just teasing you a little bit. You know, that you the, the soil over there in that neighborhood is actually pretty close to our nursery. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a mixture of granite and clay. And for the most part, it drains pretty well. Uh, and when you get down, you'll hit river rock after about anywhere from 20 to 50 feet. So it, uh, it's yeah, really well, my, pretty good soil. That, just was, that was kind of, I just was thinking of that while I was listening to you. Now, my real question was, I inherited from someone with a black thumb a, an oak tree yesterday. Okay. Now she's had it about five months from a nursery. I'm not sure which one, but she doesn't think she can keep it alive. It looks fine to me. About four feet tall, has one stalk and then goes into a V, so two nice stalks off of that. What do I do with it? It's in a pot about 18 inches by 24 deep. Well, do you have room to grow it, Leslie? I do, I okay. do, and she she knows I have a green thumb. So, oh well, but just, I haven't ever done an oak tree. When you get down, back to town, just plant it in the ground, and okay. uh, it, it'll do I well. No I mean, idea. live live oaks do really well, and it, it's probably a live oak, and that's what most of the oaks are here. And uh, yes. and they, they make a handsome tree here. They're they're pretty water efficient when they're established and do well. So you say you're going 40 miles west of Las Vegas. You're going to like Bunkerville or Northwest. something? Northwest. Northwest. Okay, yeah, so, so what, only, what town are you going to? There's one thing there. It's called Front Sight. Oh, okay. You can look it up. Yep. it's. Uh, I go regularly, and uh, it's, I'm a, a very astute uh, student at age 67. <laughs> well, have so fun. <laughs> you can look and see what it's for. Okay. All righty. Thank Take you. Take care. Bye-bye. Mm, bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up we have uh, David Nawatuki. Hi, David. Well, hello. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, yes. you're a, a very good teacher. I don't know. I, I, I was a science teacher for 46 years, and uh, you've given me a lot of good hints. I, I just want to tell you a really quick couple things, was, and that is that uh, uh, if you get a, a Mexican lime tree, get one with thorns. That helps. <laughs> uh, you know? Yeah. And let the little uh, branches around the root grow to protect the, the trunk. Uh, and give the trees lots of water, but not as frequent to get rid of the salt. Uh, when to trim and when to plant, that's just a partial list of what you helped me out with. Appreciate it. Well. <laughs> yeah. Here's my question. Uh, I have uh, a, uh, I think it's like a pink lemonade tree. It's got variegated leaves, you know. Uh-huh. like yeah. And uh, I, I planted it as I transplanted my uh, 
uh, kumquat tree, and the kumquat tree is about seven feet high, and it's doing really well. And uh, but this pink lemonade tree, uh, uh, it never really got like any new leaves on it, and then it's kind of losing the leaves it has. It doesn't have too many left. It did have, um, and still has a couple little tiny little uh, little pink lemonades on it. Uh, but um, the thing is, um, <clears throat> I. Um, there was a tomato plant growing around the base of it, and so I thought I'd better take it out. When I went to take the tomato plant out, then I found these little grubs. They're about uh, like three-quarters of an inch around, and, but they, they curl up into a little circle. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Well, there's a lot of yeah, a lot of insects like that. So, David, let me ask you a couple yeah. questions real quick. How long have you had the variegated lemon planted? I just put it in last fall. Okay. Um, I uh, well, actually, I put it in when it was kind of warm in the summer, but mm-hmm. I protected it and everything, and it was growing then, you know. Okay. So and keep it now, on a real regular fertilizer. Where are you located now, Watuki? Uh, cross right streets. Right next to South Mountain, yeah. But Cross real Streets. Close. Cross Streets on yeah. what, where? Uh, Cross Streets, uh, that would be uh, uh, Piedmont and 48. Okay, so you have heavier soil. All right, so so basically it should be watered heavy once a week, Okay. And, and you need to feed it once a month. And the variegated lemons take a little bit longer to kick in. It's a variegated Eureka lemon. and um, But it will. So I, I wouldn't. Uh, and as long as you have the trunk wrapped, it should be fine. But, yes. But uh, don't, but don't yeah. overwater it because your soil does hold more water than a lot of other parts of the Ahwatukee area. It seems to be kind of rocky and sandy, though. Yes, it, like, well, you, know, you can hit patches in there where it does. Them. So just see how fast you're, if it, you know, but you want to get it wet and let it get dry in between. But uh, should yeah, be right. once a week, mm-hmm. maybe more than that, David, if yours is one of those sandy patches in there. And there are those yeah, in Ahwatukee, yeah. but. Yeah. Can I ask another question really quick then? Sure. Um, that's my big, huge uh, ficus tree. It's like 30 feet tall, and we did trim it way back. And uh, it looks really good, and it's green. It's got new leaf branches thing. But for some reason, I've never seen it shed so many old leaves. It's like it's like the fall of the year or something, you know. Well, it's the uh, pa- you know it's the pattern this year that we've had. And our ficus, the big one we have in our nursery at Glendale Avenue, which covers the whole front of the nursery. We planted it like in 79. And that thing has shed more in the last two weeks than forever. And it's because our weather was roller coaster, and so it was holding a lot more leaves. And then when it finally got over a hundred, it decided it was time to shed. So that will, oh, yeah. you know, it won't it won't drop that much all summer long. But you know, it's a ficus tree. They they shed constantly. Yeah. yeah. Hey, another question, really quick. My Hispanic friend tells me that uh, when you do compost, don't be putting oleander leaves in your compost because, you know, it's like poisonous. You know, like we had guinea pigs, they ate some of that and they died, you know. But, well, but, uh, you know, I, I, he, you he, know, he used to think that that, that, that might uh, be bad. Is, is that true? I, I don't think so. I don't think there's any toxins in there. They're going to go through the composting process. You know, if you're going to compost things all the way down. Um, you know, it might not be the preferred thing to, to try and compost because it's bigger and woodier. And, uh, you know, when you get a compost, it's mixed with a lot of different things. But I'm not sure what the toxicity would do, David, and I really don't uh, have the experience with just trying to compost all the way under leaves to tell you. But I'll tell you who would, the Extension Service at the University of Arizona. Uh, thanks for giving me a call, yeah. David. Have a nice day. Uh, Sydney in Phoenix. Good morning, Sydney. Hello. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Oh, I, okay. Hi. Good morning. Um, I have a question to ask you. Uh, I had a, a man that came down the street, 
worked in a U.S. government car, mm-hmm. and he said he was uh, noticed that I had a citrus tree in the front yard. Mm-hmm. And he said there's have may have problems in the future with citrus trees because there's a little mite that is possibly coming into this area, and if it does, it's going to kill the citrus trees. And I wondered, had you heard anything like this at all? Well, I could tell you a lot about it. You know, basically, we grow citrus in Arizona, 700 Uh acres or so. So, you know, citrus is our life. And the Arizona Department of Agriculture and the USDA uh, go around and inspect citrus. And they have have here forever, since the history Uh of the state and the Ag Department. Now, the Arizona Department of Agriculture is a wonderful part of our state government that uh, basically goes out and looks for pests and critters and problems, and we try to be proactive so that we don't have problems, okay? So what they're looking for is Arizona or, or Asian citrus psyllid, okay? And the Asian citrus psyllid is one that can vector this thing called gulagong disease, which they have predominantly in Florida, and it's destroying the whole you know citrus industry in Florida. We oh, seem to oh. have a little bit of a buffer in the fact that we get so hot that the psyllids seem to die in the heat. So we haven't had the big populations of psyllids, though they have been found, especially like down in Ajo and a few in Yuma and a few different parts of the valley. But the Arizona Department of Agriculture and the USDA, that's their job as they go out and inspect and try to prevent us from having any of these problems. Now, being one of the few places in the world where they don't have gulagong disease is very beneficial to the state of Arizona. So we are growing some of the nicest, healthiest, the most disease-free, least sprayed citrus in the world right here in our desert. And it's because of our climate and it's because of our good friends at the Arizona Department of Agriculture and the USDA who helped to protect us. So the little government man who's out looking or government lady, they have as many ladies now as they do uh, do men. I, was, I noticed when my daughter graduated from the University of Arizona uh, Ag School this uh, last you know, couple weeks, that oh. uh, their students were probably 80% or more women. So we've got a lot of young women out uh, uh-huh, in agriculture uh-huh. now that are out looking for these pests and doing different things, and a lot of women uh-huh. scientists. So, you know, that's, that's their job. That's what they do, and they do a very wonderful job. So whatever we can do to help them is, is you know, very much in order. And they're going to come around. They're going to put out traps, and they're going to they're gonna look, and they're looking for red scale and a few other citrus pests that we don't really have here in Arizona we don't want. Oh, so we don't have it yet in Arizona? We don't have any any of the gulagong disease, never have had any, never been a find here ever. The, the, the psyllids, the little pests, they, they have found here, but they've never had huge populations. And, and when we did have big populations, like the heat we had two years ago, that August killed every psyllid in the state. You know, so... You know, we have protections here that are natural because of our environment, but uh-huh. we have to be mindful not to import pests and have problems here. That's the real job of the United, you know, the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the Arizona Department of Agriculture. Uh, they work very well here to help to protect our state ag, and, yeah. uh, and we want to work with them. That's why we don't bring in plants without getting them inspected from other states. You uh-huh. know, when we bring our plants to the nursery, like from Florida and different places, they actually have inspectors that come out and inspect each load. And they look through all the plants for insects, and they have to be certified before they come in. And uh-huh. if you want to bring plants yourself from someplace else, you can do that. But uh, they will also inspect them for you. So it, it's just important that we work together as a team to avoid having pests. I see. It came from, uh, where did she, 
the mainstay was it Africa or someplace that it eventually well, it's started. Well, it's an Asian citrus silk. Asian, yeah. yeah. I, I just but, wonder. But, okay. but, there, but there's pests all over the world, and we're not yeah, the only ones that like citrus. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, and the gulagong disease, you know, that came from Asia as well. But it's yeah. been there for a long time, you know, and they've had gulagong disease for over 100 years oh. in, in China and Pakistan and some different areas. And they still grow citrus. But uh, we, oh. don't, we don't want to have it, you know, and so uh-huh. that, that's why they're working. But okay. uh, thanks for the question, Sydney. Have a nice day. And we got to take a short break, and we'll be right back after a break with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, we have one line open, the number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Riding on the city of New Orleans, Illinois Central, Monday morning rail Fifteen cars and fifteen restless riders Three conductors Twenty-five sacks of mail All along the southbound Odyssey The train pulls out of Kankakee And rolls along past houses, farms and fields Trains that have no name, freight yards full of old black men, and the graveyards of the rusted automobiles. Good morning, America, how are you? Said, don't you know me? I'm your native son. I'm the train they call the city of New Orleans. Well, welcome back, folks, to this beautiful Sunday morning. The lines are full, so we'll get right to the phones. Bill in North Scottsdale. Good morning. Good morning, Brian. Thank you for having your show. You're very informative. A couple of questions. The first one, on my yellow bells and orange bells, they're starting to form seed pods. Should I cut those off? Perfect time to prune them. That'll you know, basically encourage them to bring back a new bloom cycle sooner. Okay, and the second question I have is, we have a tangerine tree, and it doesn't have any thorns. Is that going to be a good tangerine tree or and productive, or is it going to well, be short-lived? Well, we, we can't tell from whether it has thorns or not what kind of tangerine tree it is. There's lots of tangerines and mandarins here. And, uh, you know, tango is probably the most popular new one, and it works on all kinds of rootstocks, so it's usually pretty good. But uh, there's a lot of other tangerines that will do very well here as well. Okay, so it not having thorns, it's not like the Mexican lime. No, no. I mean, no, it's not like the Mexican lime. You know, and, and a lot of our citrus, I mean, you know, the lemons that we plant nowadays don't have the thorns they used to do. You know, so a lot of lot of things have been bred not to have as many, you know, thorns. Because when we're out harvesting the groves, there's nothing worse than getting just torn apart by a lemon grove. You know, so the lemon varieties we grow now, like an 8A, which is a type of a Lisbon lemon, or our Meyer lemons, don't have near the thorns the old ones did. But uh, tangerines have really never been a very thorny variety anyway. And, and, and oranges like navels and things aren't very thorny either. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you, Ron. Thanks, Bill. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, though, we got Peggy out in Glendale. Hello, Peggy. Hello. Good Hi. Morning. 
I have a question for you. I have a place up in Flagstaff in Kachina Village. Mm-hmm. And about four years ago, I bought a, a large choke cherry tree. Not, not the purple one, the green ones. And um, they had examples. I bought it at the Native Plant Nursery. And they had examples of where it could sort of be a hedge or a giant tree. And I thought that I would let it do both. So, so I have the tree, and then I have sprouts that come out the ground all over so it's getting real broad that way but it's the tree part i'm concerned about it never looks very healthy in the spring it leaves out and appears to be pretty good but then in about a month it will start looking like an autumn tree and the leaves will start to change color and fall off so i don't really know what's wrong with it or what to do with it and i can't find anyone that can tell me peggy how do you water it uh well, because I'm not there, I don't water it in the winter, but I water it, they told me originally to water it once a week, so mm-hmm. I, I water it quite a bit in the summer. Well, that should be plenty. I'll tell you, I'm not as familiar, but the University of Arizona, you can call the Cooperative Extension Service, and they have one in Coconino County, too. And if you call the one here oh. in Phoenix, on, they'll give you the, the local ag agent up there, and they're going to have uh-huh. a lot more experience than in Coconino County than I do. And, right, uh, right. You know, I, I've you know. had things in Yavapai County. I've got things in Cochise County. And I've been in all different counties in Arizona, but I've never grown anything, to be honest with you, in Coconino. But, uh, you know, okay. the, the, the University of Arizona Cooperative Extension Service has ag agents in every county. And if you'll call the, the main office, they'll refer them to you. And they'll they'll okay. have knowledge or they'll, they'll have a group of master gardeners or somebody that has a lot of knowledge that's local. You know, and that's where you're going to get your best knowledge from, Peggy. Okay. I'll give that a try. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, let's see. Next up, we have Debbie in Mesa. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning. My question is about cats. How do I keep them out of my flower garden? Well, mothballs can work, you know. Um, but the best thing is a nice Doberman pincher, one about 80 pounds or so. Uh- <laughs> and just let them live in your backyard. And once they hop the fence and they come see that smiling face with those gnarling teeth, they'll probably not be too happy. Um, well, but... I have raised beds, and they're in the front yard. Mm-hmm. And our little dog, which is a Pomeranian, mm-hmm. she will go after them. But it seems they come in the middle of the night and then just dig up my flowers and use it as a litter box. Yeah, sneaky and guys. Mothballs might help, though. granddaughter. But we have a little granddaughter who's also picking the flowers and mm-hmm. stuff, and so the mothballs worry me that she might not realize that they're not to touch. So I was hoping there was other suggestions besides mothballs. Well, the, you know, the idea of that is you're trying to get a smell that's going to get it away from their smell that they're building up in the boxes. Right. And uh, the mothballs are so astringent. You know what you might try is some Irish spring soap. Okay. And take a, a bar or two of Irish spring soap and try chopping it up, you know, in pieces and putting it in there. The, the odor, of, first off, I never use Irish spring. Not that I'm against them or anything. No, but, no I don't either. But that, yeah. that odor to me. But I know it works really well with rodents. Um, so it can it can basically repel things like rats and things. So you might just try okay. it. Try it with the cats and see if it works. And, and let us know because it's just a theory. It's nothing I've ever done before, Debbie. And, and see if it works for you. But I've got I've got a thought that you know it might just have a strong enough uh, fragrance that uh, they may, it might work. Okay, I've tried everything else, including little spikes and everything, and it's like I'm 
pretty much ready to go back to sticking forks in the ground. Um, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> it, it it's it's basically okay. Now I'll tell you the other thing you can do: you can put a little electric fence in there. You can get like a oh, little bat- a battery powered electric fence, and you turn it off in the daytime. Just turn it on at night, and uh, you can get a little oh, solar charger on it. You know. And uh, that'll get them, you know, and especially if you have it like a mesh so they can't get through it. And uh, they'll learn pretty fast. I mean, I've never seen anybody put a shock collar on a cat, but uh, I imagine it would work. But I would try the Irish Spring. Um, it is such a strong odor that it, I know it works well on rodents. And it uh, it would be your best bet, you know, for something, you're, you know, if you don't want to use the mothballs. And, um, okay. and it's it's really got quite an odor and it lasts a long time. And uh, I think once they get out of the pattern, it'll change. I will try that. Thanks for your help, and you have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up we have, it looks like, um, Betty in Scottsdale. Hi, Betty. Hi, Brian. I heard a rumor that we can grow blackberries here. Is that true? Absolutely. I'm going to go home and pick a big basket full of them today and make a blackberry pie. Do you sell the? Do you sell? Are they bare root? What are they? Well, we have them in containers. Um, we should have some in our Gilbert store, and I think we may uh, uh-huh. may still have some in Glendale. I'm not sure if we have them left. It's probably not the best time to plant them unless you've got a like an ideal spot on the south side. But um, they'll they'll do well here. Um, you can certainly ha- harvest when is the, the berries. Best time. Best time to plant them would be the fall. So anywhere fall. from October you- through February. So if we can grow blackberries, can we grow raspberries? No. No. Come on, don't get greedy on me now. I I, I gave you a yes first, and the blackberries no, I know do. Blueberries, I know. Blueberries, we're way too alkaline to grow blueberries, but yeah. but we can grow okay. good blackberries here. So if you so want to you, grow, some, we, you will get more in in the fall. We will. And, and, and like you say, oh. we, we may have some now. And if you're going to be here all summer and baby them and take care of them, you can plant them now. You're not going to get a lot of benefit though. Um, okay. You know, from planting right now, but uh, wow, that's awesome! I just got a I got a text from my wife. We have none left at Glendale. We might have some more. Oh, wonderful! But uh, we will have in the fall. Thank you so much. That is wonderful news. All right, thanks, Betty. Okay, thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, Let's see. We're going to take a short break, and it looks like it's a break for the news with Mr. Luke Fosner. So after we find out what's going on on the planet, we'll be back. In the meantime, we have two lines open for Byron. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. It's the boys here on Sunday with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Traveling with the rodeo, it's the only life I'll ever know. I started in New Mexico, must have been a thousand years ago. I used to be the best, they say, at riding young wild horses for my pay. But now I'm much too old, it seems I only ride wild horses in my dreams They used to tell me Ride cowboy Don't let him throw you down You can't make no money If you hit the ground Ride 
got a full board of callers, so we're not going to hear about old Midnight, the horse that was the champion, that uh, now he's riding little kitties for a dime. But it's, it's, a good, it's a good song to pull up on the internet for you folks. Uh, anyway, back to the radio. There's old Midnight, but we buy Midnight. Sherman in Tucson, good morning. Hi, I have two questions for you. First, um, in, in potted plants, uh, you know, mainly for flowers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed, uh, and I've I've been kind of reusing soil over the years. Does does potting soil go bad after a while? Because I had a bunch of stuff I put in mm-hmm. uh, to the pot, and it died within a week. You know, you're better off with pond plants, usually putting them in dirt or something heavier. You know, than, than a regular light mm. commercial potting soil. What do, what are you growing? Like lilies, or what are you growing, Sherman? No uh, daisies. Okay, these are in. You okay, know, like these, are, these are in. in no, you, you, I thought you said pond plants, but these are just potted plants. No, no, no. Okay, little pot. Yeah, little pot. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, pot. You know, potting soil is a lot different. You can buy all different kinds of potting soil. But what happens with potting soil is two things. Number one, when we're watering, we're watering a lot, so we're pushing all the nutrients out of it. So nutrients doesn't stay in potting soil. You could use slow release fertilizers like you know, basically osmocote or something you put on top to last for 60 or 90 days that can really help you. And, you know, also sometimes if we're not draining it through well enough, we can build up salts in our potting soil too. So if you're going to repot things, you know, it would be better to to add or at least amend into your potting soil every time you're going to repot it after the seasons or even to, to change it because you're going to leach out all the nutrients and you can build up salt. So it's just not a good thing. Okay, great advice. Secondly, uh, I use Miracle Grow on uh, roses and different flowering uh, plants that are in the ground and otherwise. Um, and I've always wondered when you're pointing your sprayer, um, I usually point it toward the base of the plant, and I'm sure that's a good way to do it. How much of the how much of the Miracle Grow when you spray it on the leaves? Well, that's is, what is. It's a lot of it's taken up through the leaves. That's the idea of using a, a foliar fertilizer like Miracle Grow or Miller's or any one of those. So when you're foliar feeding, you have a huge amount of absorption goes through the foliage. So really, what you want to do when you're foliar feeding, and you're, for example, with the Miracle Glow No Talk Log Two Garden Feeder or a hose in feeder that would do the same thing, what you do is you want to wet the leaves, okay? And that fertilizer you're wetting the leaves with, that's the foliar feed that goes right into the plant system, and you have to be careful Perfect. not to overmix it. It's going to be too hot. The other fertilizer that falls to the ground below it also becomes useful because it goes into the soil. 
Perfect. That's a great answer. I appreciate that very much. All right. Thanks, Sherman. Have a nice day. You bet. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Lloyd and Mesa. Good morning. Loda. Loida. Loida. Good morning. That, that's a that's a fun <laughs> name, Loida. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It was my it was my grandmother's name. Cool. Okay, I have three citrus trees. We're leaving for the summer. What's the how much watering? How often? How long? How large? How old? And where do you live? Um, I live in East Mesa. Mm-hmm. Give me um, a well, East Mesa is a big area. Give me some cross streets. Okay. Okay. So Broadway and Power. Okay. Um, two of them are probably 25 years old, mm-hmm. uh, very established. The other is a lime tree, and I planted it three years ago, so it's very small. Okay, but still established. So, you know, realistically, you know, and you have heavy clay soil that right in that area, so once a week is, is yes. more than adequate. And do you water with bubblers or drip, or how do you water? Um, bubblers. Bubblers are fine. So you have nice big wells, and they fill up in 10 minutes or whatever, however long it takes to fill them up. And so really, one time a week because I'm doing two times a week right now. You shouldn't need two so, in your soil, and with with you know the age really? of your trees, yeah. Once once a okay, week should be okay. plenty all summer, but make sure that it fills up the well. And if you if you're thinking that uh, the wells aren't big enough, what you could do is you could cycle it twice the same day once a week. And so by okay. putting the water down deeper, it pushes the salts away, so that would be better. So it would be better to water twice in one day. Um, and once a week, then twice a week. Wow. Okay. Learn something new. Okay. Thanks, thank you so much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we have Cindy in Scottsdale. Good morning, Cindy. Hi, Brian. Um, I have tiny, tiny ants on my artichoke plant, and I was wondering if I should try and get rid of them. Are they doing any damage? Oh, they can be up feeding on other insects like aphids and things on your artichokes, and. Uh, you know, they'll do that. What you could do is if you wanted to keep them out, you could take and run diametaceous earth just right around the base of them. And that way the ants okay. can't go in there. And uh, that would work be the easiest thing around artichokes. Um, do you think it'd be better to just leave them go if they're eating? They're probably, they're probably, they're, yeah, they're probably, well, most of the aphids are going to be gone now. Aphids will not okay. live past 100 degrees. They go, ah, it's too hot. We're going to die. And then they die. <laughs> Then they become organic <laughs> material. But no, so really everything they're feeding on should be gone here soon. You know, it's it's really yeah. amazing when you watch like the last week of summer or spring when it gets to be 100 and all the little insects move over to somewhere and they have a nuclear war there. But um, at any rate, yeah, I, I you know, the aphids should be gone. They won't have much to feed on up there. Okay, and I have another question. I've got a plant in my garden, and I planted a bunch of wild flower seeds and I wasn't sure if that's what it was but I think it might be a weed mm-hmm. it's like viney it's got kind of heart-shaped leaves and it's got little tiny berries hmm. that... and it seems to it seems to sort of bush out it doesn't really grow but it it's just got berries on it, like little... I'm I'm not flowers. sure what you're talking about right offhand. Sometimes I have senior moments. But uh, if you'd like <laughs> to send a picture into our website with the Whitfield Nursery, or else you could send it to the uh, Maricopa County uh, Extension Service Master Gardeners Program, I'm sure we can find out for you. Yeah, it's taken over my whole garden, and it doesn't seem to be... Well, if it's not useful and you own. don't enjoy it, what I would do is pull all the foliage to one side, uh, either dig it out first. If you can just dig it out and it dies, that's the easiest thing to do. 
But there are okay. some there's some definite vining weeds that can grow really fast and kind of destroy a garden. So if you don't enjoy it, I'd just kill it. Okay. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Cindy. Bye-bye. And let's see. Next up, we have John and Anthem. Hello, John. Hey, Brian. How you doing? Thanks Great. for your show. Hey, I have um, I have three ficus trees and a tipu tree. My yard faces west. Um, they're about five years old. The trunks are about three inches, and all of them, the bark is um, cracking and peeling. So on three of them, it's just cracking. Um, it's still attached to the tree, but one of them from the ground all the way up to about four feet, just on the west side of the tree, the bark is completely off. Like if I touch it, it'll just fall to the ground. So, John, the, the bark, um, is the cambium layer, the outside part of that tree is dead. They, they've all cooked from the sun. Okay, they could all, yeah. they'll all do well if they're wrapped to help them. Uh, the cambium okay. layer will grow back out. I think they probably got trimmed a little high, and so they got sunburned all on the west side, which trees do. I mean, trees naturally grow low and wide, and if, if they're not pruned, they'll grow horizontal limbs, and at the point when the tree gets big enough, they'll shed those. But, you know, when we start a young tree and want to grow a straight trunk and trim it up high, they'll sunburn. So I would wrap all those trees, get them on a regular fertilizer program, and within a year or okay. two, those trunks will heal back up. Oh, perfect. Hey, also, I have another question. I'm my yard is west, um, and I'm basically in the ancient um, floodplain of New River. Mm-hmm. So it's sandy soil, and there's river rock everywhere. Um, how much should I be watering these guys? Well, at least once a week, but maybe twice. If, you know, if it's real sandy soil. And, uh, you know, you don't want to water them so long that the water runs down through, you know, past the roots. So it, okay. it's just the useful amount of time of water is going to be different. What you'll want to do with sandy soil is you want to put the water on as fast as you can, okay, and and just okay. flush it down through and then shut it off. And, and you probably will have to water more often than most people would. You know, it just – Okay, um, perfect. Because with a sandier soil, you, now you could leave a trickle on all the time too, but then the water will go down past it. So if you want the roots to spread – have large wells, spread out your irrigation, put it on, you know, so it's going to flow at a fairly fast rate. And if you got a big piece of steel or something, you like a, a piece of a T-shaped piece of rebar, you could push it in the ground. You want to get the water at least three feet deep, but not to run it longer so it just keeps going past it because you're just wasting water at that point. Okay, perfect. That's great news. My wife is going to be happy. She's been freaking out that we're going to lose these trees. So. You won't lose them, but you need to protect the trunks and you need to really work on the watering. Okay, perfect. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. Have a good weekend. You too. Thanks, John. Bye-bye. Oh, let's see. We're going to take a short break because we have to, and it's time. We'll be right back, and it uh, looks like the other line's ringing already, so you're not going to get in there in the break. So no reason to call right now. We'll let you know when there's an open line again. I wanted to mention one point, though. Uh, in our last break, we had uh, Wendy from Tempe call us and say that she's had pretty good luck using coffee grounds to repel uh cats out of vegetable gardens. So uh, to our other caller earlier on, you, know, you might try some coffee grounds, you know, and, and we're all ears here. So if you've got suggestions for us, uh, please give us a call, but you're not going to get in right now. The lines are full. We'll be right back after the break with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with the boys, Brian, Luke, and Brian, Byron, all three of us <laughs> at the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Yesterday all my troubles seem so far away Now it looks as though they're here to stay Oh, I believe in yesterday Suddenly 
I'm not half the man I used to be There's a shadow hanging over me Oh, yesterday came suddenly Why she had to go I don't know, she wouldn't say I said Love was such an easy game to play I need a place to hide away Oh, I believe in yesterday Why Well, welcome back, folks, to this beautiful Sunday morning. Hate to cut you off, Paul, but it's time. And a beautiful day out there. I want to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees. Started with my grandparents back in the 40s and continuing for four generations. This show is uh, on the air because Whitfield Nurseries pays for it. So if you enjoy the program, come out and see us. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale Avenue. When the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. And Monday through Saturdays, you can go to our big tree farm in Stanfield, Stanfield Road, about a half mile south of Interstate 8. Whitfield, we grow trees, all kinds, all sizes. From 15 gallons to big 72-inch box, from palm trees and pine trees to citrus trees, ashes, elms, oaks, uh, mesquites, palo verdes, ironwoods. If it's a tree and grows here, we probably grow them. Lots of ficus. We have a lot of beautiful flowering trees like Hong Kong orchids. We deliver plant and guarantee. We're licensed, bonded, and insured. No jobs too big, none's too small. If you need a 1,000 trees for your development, we'd love to sell them to you. If you need a beautiful tree for your backyard, come and see us. Woodfield Nursery for four generations, growing trees here in Arizona for Arizona's future. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have uh, Jody in Phoenix. Hi, Jody. Well, good morning. I have a question. I've called a few times, and I finally took the plunge and have a sisu tree in my backyard. Mm-hmm. I live in flood irrigation over by Christown. Okay. My question: It's only every two weeks that it's. We just started the watering cycle. Mm-hmm. How often should I water it? Um. You know, every two weeks, if you get a good deep irrigation, we'll keep the tree happy and healthy. If you want it to grow faster, you can water it once in between irrigations, and it will grow faster being a younger tree. Um, but the key is is to water it deep and let it dry out. So if you're, if, if, you know, check your soil, you know, but probably for the first summer, I would water it once in between irrigations to grow faster. Just okay, because the person told me to ro- water it every day. Well, when they're when they're, when they're brand new, like if we plant a tree, our crews are going to tell you to water them every day for the first week, and that's just to make sure that the ground's well saturated and soaked, and you're not going to overwater a tree in a week. And so that's okay. kind of a good practice when they first go in. And if it's you know it's only been in within a couple of weeks, you might water it maybe two or three times in between irrigations, you know, for the first couple of weeks. But then get down to where you're watering it once in between irrigations. It'd be plenty. Okay. And it's going to root now, deep and fast. What what we don't want to do is we don't want to have a lot of water there on a regular basis in the long run. Now this summer when it's getting established is much different. But for the sisu tree to be healthy and not create problems for you, you want to be deep watered and let dry out. So over the course of time, your flood irrigation cycle will be ideal. Okay, perfect. And should I add any kind of fertilizer or does it just kind of naturally do its thing on its own? Do you like to eat? 
Do I like lunch? Do you like to eat? I mean, do you like? Did you have breakfast this morning? Not yet. Not yet. Oh, you're hungry, so your tree's probably a little hungry too. No. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, no, Jody, it uh, it'll, it, it it'll grow faster. You know, if you water it like or feed it like once a month for the first, you know, for this summer. After that, it really won't require any fertilizer. But you know, you're trying to get it started. You're trying to give it every benefit. So extra water, a light dose of fertilizer once a month this summer, will just make it grow faster. Okay, what kind of fertilizer do you well, like? Well, like, like a citrus food or a balanced fertilizer, 20-20-20, citrus food. And if you put the fertilizer on right before irrigation. Okay, okay. perfect. Thank, Thank you thanks, so Jody. much. Bye-bye. Have a great day. You too. Okay, bye. Uh, Russell in Wickenburg. Morning, Russell. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, hey, I live, I live off-grid uh, in the Aquarius Mountains, East of Wikiup, okay, at at five thousand feet, mm-hmm. I have I planted uh, two sycamore trees two years ago. One died, and the other one is struggling. How much the water are you getting on it, Russell? Well, the the sycamores I've been watering once a week, really deep. Okay. I have them on. I have them on a drip system, and I and I run the water about five or six hours. Did you plant Arizona sycamores, or did you plant uh, California sycamores? You know what? I don't know because I bought them from Star Nursery in in uh, Kingman. So I'm guessing they're probably coming out of California. Well, they're probably California sycamores. They should do okay, though. I mean, five thousand feet is kind of the top edge elevation for those. You'd be better off there with Arizona sycamores. Like down here in the valley, the Californias do a lot better. But up in the hills, the uh, Arizona, the native sycamore will do better. And you can tell the difference. It has a smaller, shinier leaf. It's not as big as the California. And and you you should be in an ideal place for those. But what you'll want to do, Russell, is take that water that you're putting, you know, where you're deep watering them, like I tell everybody on the radio every week. You want to throw all that out the window. And what you want to do with okay. the sycamore is you want to just water them with a little water, almost like a trickle, um, oh. on a real regular basis and keep them really wet until they get rooted and established. And um, okay. you're in the perfect place to grow them, but you you just you have to give them a lot, lot more water. They're you know, pretty much a riparian tree. You know, if you look where they grow around Arizona, they're going to grow all in washes and creeks and rivers and those kind of places. Yeah. And so yeah. they want almost constant water when they're young and being established. And uh, they don't need the deep water, you know, when they're young. They just need a regular, regular water cycle. So you're one that's alive. And even if it's a California, they grow kind of in the same area. The difference is they grow at a lot lower elevation in California. But um, even if it's a California sycamore, it'll probably do okay. The only problem you'd worry about up there is we have the once-in-a-lifetime freezes. And it would kill the California. We had those in Chino Valley, December 28th of 91, when it killed my pine trees. But don't, uh, it's the date I'll remember, 15 below zero, three days in a row. But anyway, <laughs> Russell, well, I'll tell you what, you don't forget those things. You know, your your house yeah, has no got kidding. a pinhole, the ceiling collapses, you know, it was, anyway, it was a mess. Yeah. But um, Arizona sycamores are better where you're at. Water them constantly, and All I right. think you'll do fine. Okay, that sounds good. I'll I'll try that uh Slow, uh, slow watering more often. Then. Yeah, not not yeah. Just just you know, just only get the water two three feet deep. It doesn't have to go real deep, and uh, and just okay. keep it pretty constant. You know, if you had like a fifty five yep. gallon drum out there and you poked a hole in the bottom, you know what? It just yep. dripped and you just left it there and you filled it up when it got empty. They grow like crazy. Yep. 
Okay. Okay. I'll, I can try that too. Oh, I'll that'll work. Just get you a plastic, uh, plastic, you know, drum, and just poke a little tiny yeah. pinhole so it just drips. And uh, okay. you know, in fact, if you got one that's got lids on it where you can control the flow with, you know, cutting the air off in the top. You know, you can yeah. see so you have a real limited amount of air pressure, water pressure going through. Uh, just have a pinhole yeah. in the top and a pinhole in the bottom and just fill it up every time it gets yeah. empty. That tree will grow like crazy. All right. I'll do that then. All right. Thanks, that, Russell. That sounds like a good idea. Thank you. Well, we, you know, I love sycamores as well. You're in the right place to grow one. Bye-bye. Yeah, I, I, lo- I like the trees. So. Yeah, they're pretty. All right. Good enough. Thanks for the info. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Larry in Phoenix, good morning. Yeah, uh, what what's a good type of grass seed to grow this type of time of year? I, I assume it's not a good time of year to grow a lawn, but uh, well, it's a, there's two ways. If you're going to plant from seed, you want to plant Bermuda grass this time of year if it's going to be in full sun. Okay, okay and regular mm-hmm. Bermuda grass will come up really well. Perfect weather for it. You know, it's over sixty at night, hundred in the daytime. Perfect time to plant a Bermuda grass lawn. You just keep it wet. Or what might be easier for you, Larry, is just to go out and buy some sod and roll it in like carpet and have it come right up. Okay. You know, the, sod, the, sod, the sod's awfully okay. nice. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. Uh, I'm going to have to take everybody else off the air because we're running out of time here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. I um, want to invite you to come out and see us, but uh, more importantly, I want to invite you to think a little bit. You know, here we are with the oil problems we have, and we have all kinds of alternative sources that, you know, there's no reason for here, especially in Arizona in this country, to be dependent on oil. It was amazing with our little drive to the farm in Hyda this week, all the new solar going in. But what I was most impressed with was with dairies where they had a methane capturing plant right now that's capturing the, the methane off some dairies there right by Gila Bend and pumping it right back into our gas system so we're using the methane. Lots of things we need to do to work with our planet, but what we have to do is work with each other. And using these old fossil fuels and these old historic you know, problems aren't going to make much of a future for our children. So if we're going to get out there and help this planet, you know, we need to be very proactive. Now it's a good time to think. Hey, why, why spend so much money for oil? It's a great time to change. And, hey, nuclear is not all bad either. Look at our Palo Verde plant and how well it works. We'll be back with you next week. Come out and see us at the nursery. Hope you enjoyed the program.